remain standing while we pray. Lord, we just thank you for who you are this morning. We thank you that you brought us here. Lord, we know that there's a lot of things in, in, in this world that could cause us to stop in our tracks, to be, to be afraid, to be anxious, to be worried. But Lord, you are bigger than that. You are stronger than that. You silence fear. Lord, I thank you that your name is the name above every name, that at your name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we thank you that in your power and your majesty that you still love us, that you have a plan and a purpose for us. And we pray that today that you would speak to us, Lord. We are excited to be standing in your presence. We're excited to hear from you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before you grab a seat, find five people that uh, you're not sure if you know or not. Tell them high five. It's good to see them. We know that that he is the reason we're here. He is the one who called this gathering. And so so I believe that you're here today on purpose. I believe you're here this morning because there's something that God has for you. Um, So as we are um, getting closer to the fall, there's some really exciting things coming up. And I want to make sure that we're all in the loop. The first one coming up on Wednesday, September 11th is the much anticipated fall kickoff for the entire church. Everything comes back on full force on Wednesday, September 11th. So make sure that you are here. Everything for for our kids, our students. We have men's and women's Bible studies. It's going to be an awesome night. Um, So come a little bit early, about 530, because we're giving away free food. Like free shaved Kona ice and some other goodies. It's going to be a great time. Lots of energy around the church, and we want you to be a part of it. So we're excited about what God has planned for this fall, and it all starts on September the 11th. Uh, moving on from that, um, every who's heard of See You at the Pole? Anybody heard of See You at the Pole? It's an it's an it's an exciting really, really cool thing that we do. Students all over will just link hands around their flagpole and pray for their school. Well, there's an exciting rally that, that happens every year called Ignition, um, where, where students will just will come, we're just going to worship and pray, hear some great teaching. And we're excited that this year for Ignition 2019, Crossroads is actually hosting that event right here on September 22nd. It's going to be awesome. And so um, for all of our uh, students at Crossroads, you guys get to go for free. Um, but make sure that you come excited, invite your friends. It's really going to be a powerful night, tons of fun. 
right here in this room, September 22nd at 6 p.m. I cannot wait for that. And believe it or not, it's that time of year again. Dessert theater auditions. Yes. So uh, it is going to be, I can't wait for it. I've been looking forward to it since last year. It's an amazing thing that, that we do every year. God uses it to change lives. And so if you want to be a part of it, uh, September the 9th at 6 p.m. right here, we're having auditions. If you want to be a part of that, and it's for any kind of role. So whether it's a speaking role, a non-speaking role, a singing role, a non-singing role, if you just want to be like tree number two, like that's fine. Like we can have those conversations. If you want some more information, it's in uh, at the Welcome Center in the lobby. Uh, it, it's going to be a ton of fun. So uh, be looking for more information on that. But if you want to be a part of it, auditions are September the 9th. Uh, as our ushers are preparing to receive our tithes and offerings, I wanted to share a verse that's been encouraging to me, and, and I hope that it encourages you too. Uh, it's in uh, John uh, and 14, uh, and it says this. Uh, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And the reason why this is encouraging to me, there's there's three parts that are encouraging. First off, is that we're going to have a helper. Because sometimes I know that I need help. And maybe you felt like you need some help too. (laughs) And so the fact that, that we have a helper being sent to us from God is very encouraging because we need help going through our life. We need guidance. We need direction. And we have that helper. But the next, then it says that he will teach you all the things. The only way that we can learn anything from God, any, any spiritual significance from the word of God is through the Holy Spirit teaching us. And so I pray that today that we would open up our, our, our hearts and our minds, that we would ask the Holy Spirit to teach us so that we can truly hear from him this morning. And then the last thing that I love is says he'll bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. There's times where 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 things should be going chaos around us. We feel like just life is just bananas sometimes. And the great thing is, is that we have this promise that when we need it the most, the Holy Spirit is going to bring the truth back to your mind. He's going to bring the truth back to your heart that you need in that moment because God is just that good. And so I just pray this morning that we would all open our, our hearts up. We would ask the Holy Spirit to teach us because I believe that if we do that, he will. And then when we need it, whether we need it today or six months or six years from now, he will bring it back to our remembrance. So let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you that, that you are exactly who you say you are. We thank you that your your thoughts are higher than ours, that your ways are higher than ours. And Lord, we believe that that you have brought us here today, this morning, because there's something that you want us to know about you and how you see us. So Lord, Holy Spirit, we just pray. We know that you're active. We know that you're here. And so we just ask you to teach us, Lord, that you would give us ears to hear exactly what you want us to hear. We know that you will give us everything we need to live a godly life. Your word promises us that you will give us everything that we need to do exactly what you've called us to do. Lord, we we pray for Pastor Ken this morning as he brings the word that you would give him just a spirit-filled boldness and clarity, Lord, as he he presents what you have laid on his heart. Lord, I pray that it would be your voice that's heard, your words that are spoken. Lord, I pray for these tithes and offerings that are given. Please use them to expand your kingdom. 
we know that you can do more with these than we can, and they already belong to you anyway. And so we thank you in advance, Lord, for what you're going to do and that we get to be a small part of it. We pray all this in Jesus' name. to be here this morning. Let's thank our great God this morning. What a great God we serve. We, um, holiday weekend. I know it's that time of year. Everybody's getting ready for school again. I know a lot of people have taken off for a little camping trip. Luke, Pastor Luke went away this weekend for a little camping trip and uh, a lot of fun things are happening out there for people as they are preparing to get their routine started again. And I know the uh, schools are back in session, and uh, it's, it's a, a great time of year. Football games are happening. It's a lot of fun out there. But, uh, you know, last uh, we've been in a series here for a few weeks on, on entitled Philemon. Last week we took a break, and wasn't that exciting to have Pastor Josh with us last week? Uh, Pastor Josh Watts and, uh, and his team, and we were able to send him off in prayer. Can we thank God for that? We get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. I, I love how God has allowed us to see some of those dreams come true already. One of my heart's passions for our church is that we continue to multiply and we continue to make new disciples who will make new disciples. And part of that dream is that we plant churches that will plant churches. And so I'm excited that uh, Josh and a number of those people that were part of our church for many years are starting a new church. And one day, won't that be kind of exciting to hear how they plant a new church? Won't that be exciting? So that's what God does. Uh, we're, in, we're in a book of Philemon. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to there. It will also be on the screen. Philemon is a one-page letter written from the Apostle Paul to a man named Philemon. And I have to tell you this. My wife asked me this morning as I'm going over stuff and get ready. She goes, hey, was Philemon a real person? I'm like, honey, have you been in church? I've been talking about this for a month. It's a real person. Philemon was a real guy. And uh, he, he, he was not some uh, fictitious thing. He was not some idea. He was a real man, and uh, he, had, he was a master, and he had a servant. He had probably several servants. He actually ha- hosted the home. In his home, he hosted a gathering of the church at Colossae. So... Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing from jail, 
And uh, this is an actual historical thing that happened. Onesimus was one of his slaves, one of the uh, the slaves, one of the servants of Philemon, and he runs away. He obviously had, there was a conflict, and so as he went through that conflict, he runs away, ends up in jail, and ends up meeting Paul in jail, and Paul brings him to Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I want to put that whole letter together. We're going to start out by reading this letter, and I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Philemon this morning. The letter is coming to you. You're Philemon. You are, you are the one who has been wronged. And I want you to hear what the Apostle Paul says as a friend to his friend Philemon. Philemon 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and, uh, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, you have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man now, and now a prisoner also of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my child, for my son Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, uh, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he has parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever." No longer as a bondservant, much more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, will write this with my own hand. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even of your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And so we see this, we see this issue here, and the Apostle Paul writes this, this message to him, and he gives him this, uh, this great word to help along the journey. And you know, as you go through and you, you read in, in, um, you read over in Ephesians, you'll find a lot of doctrine. You read in Colossians, you'll find doctrine. You read uh, in Romans, you'll find doctrine. A lot of the other epistles that he wrote, you'll find doctrine. They were letters to the churches. 
This was a letter to a dear friend, Philemon. And in this letter, while it's not filled with doctrine, it's filled with the application of the doctrine. You see all this doctrine that the Apostle Paul's been teaching, you see it come out. It's like, wow, it's some powerful stuff, and you see some life transformational principles. We've looked at some of the, the uh, relational transformational principles have been to, number one, we looked at earlier in the letter in our series, we looked at affirming. It's so important that we affirm each other. And if you're going to have a friendship, you're going to need to be affirming. You have to build each other up. You have to encourage one another. Uh, accommodating. We have to be able to deal with life's issues. We have to accept one another. And so today we're going to, we're going to look at, the, at, uh, at a few more steps here of building lasting relationships. In 49 B.C., Julius Caesar um, was given an order to disband his army and give up. He stood on the banks of the Rubicon River. And as he stood on the banks of the Rubicon River, he had a dilemma. Either he takes the orders and he gives up, or he crosses the Rubicon River. And if he crossed the Rubicon River, it was a commitment to fight. It was a commitment to go for it. And so he did. He turned to his troops, he tore up his orders, and, and he led his dedicated legion across the Rubicon River to march against Rome. That act of commitment that day, that changed history. It caused him to, uh, to go across that river. He declared war against the Senate. And for Caesar, it paved the way for his becoming the ruler of the Roman world. Since that day, there's a little term called crossing the Rubicon. And it stands for that point of commitment, the point of no return. I'm going, I'm commitment. I've crossed the Rubicon. And this morning, I'd like to give you a few thoughts here because Paul, I believe, has given us a few thoughts of how to cross the Rubicon of relationships. Commitment is a forgotten word in the world that we live. Uh, it, it, most people just kind of don't even use that word. They're afraid of that word. Commitment, uh, said, you know, when, when Caesar crossed, Julius Caesar crossed that Rubicon, he was committed. There was no turning back. Lasting relationships are built on loyalty and commitment to one another. And I want you to catch that because the Apostle Paul is going to show us here in just a minute this lasting commitment. Whenever we, you know, we, we live in a world where if I'm not happy, I run. And being not happy is not the reason to run. There will be days that you are not happy. There will be days that you have not received. And that is not the day that you run. Lasting relationships are built upon loyalty. Loyalty says, I'm there with you when it's good, and I'm there with you when it's bad. Um, committed friends have no agenda. They are open to each other. So I'm going to give you four steps this morning to crossing the Rubicon. Step number one is to be open with each other, okay? Be open to one another and have no hidden agenda, okay? A committed friend has no hidden agenda. You know, when somebody comes to you and has a hidden agenda, that's known as manipulation, I'm going to come to you and I'll be your friend if. Well, that's, see, that's manipulation. To be your friend is to be your friend. To be your husband is to be your husband. To be your wife is to be your wife. You see, those are commitments. Um, I did a wedding yesterday for the Solomon family, James Solomon. They've been a part of our church for years. And uh, James got married yesterday, and, you know, at that altar, uh, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And, you know, little do those couples know the day that they say that what's coming down the road. 
I always tell them, you know, when I'm doing rehearsals for a wedding, I always say for poorer, for poorer, you know, because most of the time there's a lot of problems that are going to be coming down the pike. Jobs will come, jobs will go. Health will come and health will go. I mean, all kind of happiness comes and happiness goes. It's not about like uh, how my circumstances are. It's something so much deeper. So an openness to one another. And look what the Apostle Paul does here. In verse 17, he says, So if you consider me your partner, receive or welcome him, Onesimus, receive or welcome Onesimus as you would receive or welcome me. Uh, If you consider me to have shared life together, if this is who we are, I want you to receive this person who has offended you. Now, Onesimus, you know, listen, there there was definitely some some heavy issues here. He's run away from his master. And, uh, and, and listen, Paul wasn't condoning slavery here. He's dealing with some deeper issue here of the heart. Um, listen, slavery, we know in, uh, from the principles of God's word, slavery as we know it, that is, uh, that, that is totally condemned by the Scriptures. But here the Apostle Paul is going after something deeper. He's saying, listen, Onesimus, you have a heart problem that's been shaking, and it's because, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Philemon, you have a heart problem that's been shaking, and it's because you have been offended by Onesimus. Onesimus has now come back, and, uh, and he has become my friend. He has become a follower of Jesus Christ, and he says, if you consider me to be in this together, if you consider to be in this together with me, Receive him like you would me. One of the characteristics of of friendship, of a lasting friendship, is transparency. If we don't have transparency, we're not able to have a friendship. Have you caught that? Transparency is a vital part of any relationship. And relationships are this. They're risky. Are they not? You have, to, uh, you have to understand there's a huge risk to every relationship. The Apostle Paul says, if, now he doesn't say, I know you consider me a friend, so therefore you've got to do this. He says, if, he's throwing it out here, if you consider me, in other words, he's saying, listen, I know the connection that we have, and I want you to catch this. Please welcome him like you would welcome me. And, and for Philemon, this letter is coming to the man who has been offended Philemon is in the right. And the Apostle Paul is coming to the man who is in the right and says, I want you to receive the man who was in the wrong. And I want you to come and I want you to receive him as much as you would receive me, who is one of your best friends. Relationships require risk. Paul puts it out there and there's a risk. And now Paul could have been rejected easily, very easily could have been rejected. You know, today we live in a world where people have paper faces. Have you ever noticed that? You know, people just, you know, everything's always happy and and they put up a good front and and they're afraid to be accepted for who they really are. You know, one of the things that I value the most about the family of God is, uh, is that we can have relationships like this where we can actually accept you and be open and honest and accept you for who you are. Right. I talk about this right now. I, you know, I've been counseling a number of couples. They're, they're all getting ready for their weddings here in uh, September. There's like four more weddings coming up in September, and I'm just like all over the map meeting with them. And, and I explain to them about intimacy. And, you know, it's amazing. When we talk about intimacy, everybody goes right away. They think that's sex. And I'm like, well, that's probably part of it. 
But intimacy is really much deeper. Intimacy is this. It's whenever I am known, I'm fully known, and I'm fully accepted. Now, see, that's a game changer. My wife knows everything about me and still accepts me. That is a total game changer. She knows every flaw that I have, and she still loves me. That is intimacy. See, that's what a close relationship is. If you are going to have relationships in your life, there has to be the risk of rejection. Uh, My wife is not a robot, okay? She loves me even whenever I don't live up to expectations, Okay, so that there's a risk. So the Apostle Paul throws us out here, and he opens up the possibility of rejection, and he takes the risk. You know, that is so true in every relationship, isn't it? What, uh, what did Proverbs say? And we've referenced this a few times. Proverbs says, if you want to have a friend, you must first be a friend. You see what that is? That says you must take a risk. Many times we're rejected. It's okay. But if I'm going to have a friend, I can't let the fear of rejection stop me from a new friend. And, and so I know for many people, that's, this is what happens. We, you might have a friend, and then you had a problem, you have a friend, and you have a problem, you have a friend, and you have a problem. You have to open up and risk that rejection because if, if we don't, you're not a friend. You're just a receiver. You're just a taker. And so, so this is a big deal here. The Apostle Paul comes and he says, listen, I'm throwing this out here and I'm risking rejection. Many people will never take that risk. And so when, when we cross the, the Rubicon of relationships, you can do one of two things because there will be conflicts. And here's what happens. You can either build barriers or you can build bridges. Unfortunately, when we risk the fear of rejection, when we're only worried about rejection and we're, we don't want to experience any pain at all, it's so easy to build a barrier. And what I do is I isolate myself and I'm living on the island of me. Relationships are on the island of we. So when, when it's us, I tell young couples all the time to fight for their relationship. Don't fight to be right. Anytime you fight to be right, you lose. Fight for the relationship. When we attempt to cross, cross this uh, Rubicon, let's build bridges. And I want to ask you this morning, what are you building? Are you building bridges in your life? Are you open with people? Do you have a degree of openness that you can help? Um, you know, there's a risk there. And, yes, we have to take that risk, but you'll never know. And I've told people this all the time, you know, in church. There's people sitting near you, and you take a risk, and you say hi, and you introduce yourself. But you're afraid, and that person's even more afraid of you, <laughs> you know. Somebody walks into church for their first time. They're like, this is all new. They don't know anything here. And you step out and you say, hi, I'm glad you're here. Do you realize that you took a risk and you could have met one of your new best friends? Talk about your BFFs, huh? Okay, and God brought him right behind you and sat him in church. And, and you took a risk and God wanted you to say hi. And, and all of a sudden you started saying hi. And, and I watch this happen all the time in church. And so openness with others is, is not necessarily a... a I, uh, for, for us to reveal every blessed little detail. Uh, my wife gets all that. There are no secrets in our, in our marriage. She has that all. She knows everything about me and still loves me. But listen, there's degrees of friendship. And 
all those friendships have a degree of openness. And the closer that you are, the more open that you are. But you cannot have a friendship without being open. And so I'm talking here about building a bridge, not a highway. Build a bridge and let people walk on the journey with you. The first step is openness. And you know what? Jesus did this. I want you to think about this because Jesus, he, uh, he was transparent with his friends. He, uh, he, he traveled with his friends. He ate with his friends. He prayed with his friends. He, he became involved with their struggle. Yet he did not sin. He did not come in and just get into the muck and the mire of all. But he was with them and he cared for them and he loved them. And he was incarnational as we know it. That's when God left heaven and became human. And, and so he's living among us. And so he was open. Paul opens himself in this letter to do like Jesus did. You know what not Jesus did? Remember the woman at the well? He goes up to the woman at the well, and this is, this is how this is set up. The, the, uh, the Samaritan woman and a Jewish man would never talk to each other. Like that, that was like the talk of prejudice, the prejudice, the prejudice, the prejudice, right? They would never cross that bridge. And Jesus does what none of his disciples would do. Not one of them would, they didn't even want to walk through Samaria, let alone talk to a woman of Samaria. So a, a, a Jew and a Samaritan wouldn't even talk, let alone a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. So Jesus sees this Samaritan woman going to a well to get water. Jesus, the Jewish man, foreigner in the land, comes over and says, may I have a drink of water? I am thirsty. Do you see what he did? He opened the door for relationship. He opened it up for her to come to Christ. And she responds, well, what are you doing asking me? I'm a Samaritan woman. You don't even talk to me, yet alone ask me for a drink. And so he opens the door for a discussion. And through this discussion, he builds a bridge and he brings her to the living water. He says, if you would know who I am, you would ask me for a drink because the water that I give, will you'll never be thirsty again. And so she comes and she drinks of the living water. But he did it by opening a bridge. And, 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 and so he won and he took the initiative. There was a risk. You know, the woman at the well, she tried to reject him. She said, what are you doing asking me? And, and, and she tried to blow him off. And Jesus said, he kept, kept the discussion going. And I want to encourage us in our relationships. Let's be like Christ. You know, our community needs us to do that. Our, the people in this town need us to build bridges, need us to be open. And we open the doors. We open it up. Uh, Paul, working with a good friend, Philemon, he opened up. He was open, and he was open to the risk of relationship. But if we do not take the risk of relationship, we will never have a friend. We will never have a healthy marriage. We will never have healthy children. Listen, all of these relationships require risk. And there's fear of rejection. And you know, because there's disagreement doesn't mean it has to be rejection, folks. There will always be rejection. There will always be disagreement. But we do not have to come to the point of rejecting one another because we disagree. There are many things. Uh, you know, when, if there's two people, there's two different ideas. I tell people that all the time. You know, I, I'm, I'm colorblind. 
I have a, a, you know, I'm not 100% black and white, but I might as well be because I don't know what I'm seeing, you know. I, I look, you know, when I was a kid, I drew the map in in school. They, they had this map, you know, you had to color. You remember those days when you had to color the pencils? I know now they do it on computer. I don't know. But I, I colored in the, the ocean green. They actually took points off of me. Isn't that rude? You know, in today's world, that'd be headlines on the news, right? You know, kid draws green sea, fails test, you know. It, it's like, listen, I, I come home and, and my mom was like, you know, I got this note from the teacher. I got like an 80% because I drew the ocean green. My mom's like, what's wrong with my child? I'm like, I didn't know. I thought it was blue. And, and so, listen, you can look at one thing and I can look at one thing and, and another person looks at another thing and we can we can all have a different idea of what should be but at the end of the day we're going to have to be open to one another and there has to be this risk of rejection we have to be able to uh, uh, develop a friendship and continue to grow that's what jesus did that's what he modeled it in his life Uh, paul says if you consider me to be your partner that we have mutually shared life. That The word for partner is like heart to heart, that we have shared this, my very heart with you. Because he even says, Onesimus is my very heart. He says, so if you, are, if you consider yourself to be that close with me, I want you to not reject. Isn't that powerful? Paul is being open here. He's, he's, he is not condemning Philemon. He is encouraging Philemon, and he is open, and he's open enough to ask a friend for a favor. You know the level of friendship when you can ask for a favor, don't you? How many of you know a friend that you could call to help you build a project at your house? Raise your hand. if You, you know you have somebody you could do that, okay? All right. The rest of you need to find somebody like that, okay? Those are the best friends to have. They'll come over and they will give their weekend to put your roof on. They'll give their weekend to, to redo whatever in your house, right? Why? Because you are friends enough with them that you took a risk to ask them to help you. They can say no, and you're not offended if they say no, but you take the risk and you feel that proximity of relationship to do that. The Apostle Paul comes and asks a favor. is a little bit bigger than putting a roof on it was a heart problem. And he says, I want you to work with us. The, the next thing is to be committed to one another. Committed, commitment is step number two of the Rubicon. Crossing the Rubicon is to be committed. Um, you know what? If we don't have commitment, we don't have anything. Commitment is obligation. Say that with me. Commitment is obligation. Try that again. Commitment is obligation. You know, sometimes we're afraid of that word obligation because we say, well, obligation, my heart's not in it. Well, let me tell you something. Twenty-six and a half years ago, or at least 26 years ago, it was July, I stood on this very altar and I made a vow to my wife. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, till death do us part. And I think a few times she's thought about the death part. Okay? But I'll tell you this. I made that commitment to her, and I am obligated to go home and see her every day. And you say, how dare you say you're obligated? You know what? I made the commitment. I am obligated. It's my commitment. And, and she's obligated to come and see me every day. 
And, and you know what happens whenever you start to build that? There, there's, there's a relationship that your relationship flourishes with commitment. And so you may travel for your jobs. You're obligated to call your wife every day. You know, I, I, you know there's all kind of obligations to, to commitment. Look here at, um, at Philemon 1. If he has wronged you, now look at Paul. He's shown his obligation. Paul is obligated here. He says, if he has wronged you at all, or he owes you anything, charge it to my account. You want to talk about stepping up to the plate? He says that Onesimus, and he knows Onesimus has, has done it. He says, don't take it out on Onesimus. Charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of you owing even me, uh, to say nothing of your owing me even your own self. He says, I'm not talking about your debt against me. I'm telling you that uh, at this point here, whatever Onesimus has done, if he owes you anything, you charge it to me. I'll repay it. He steps up to the plate. Why? Because they're under obligation to each other. You know what? Uh, whenever we instruct, uh, whenever we come along with a relationship and we have a relationship, we've got to come alongside of each other and we have got to understand what obligation means, what commitment means. Many only want to receive. Some only want a relationship when they can be on the receiving end. And that is so sad because if you, if you go through life like this, here's what you'll do. You'll go from relationship to relationship to relationship. You will change all the time. Uh, you may change every five years, every six years, every eight years, every three years, whatever. But there will be some sort of thing. You can go back and you can watch a pattern in your life and you'll say, I was there as long as I was happy as long as it was about me, as long as I was receiving. But there comes a time when you have to give. And the Apostle Paul stepped up to the plate here and he says, Listen, I know he's done wrong to you. And I'm asking you, um, this is the obligation of the relationship. I'm asking you to work with him. And in the meantime, I'm going to repay you what this man's wronged you. Whoa. That is not how we live our life in this culture, is it? In our culture, how do we live life? Oh, well, I just didn't get anything anymore. I'm just not happy. And what do people tell you when you're not happy? Move on. Go to the next thing. But do you know there's something so deep that happens in a relationship when you work through all those unhappiness and you work through those ugliness, you work through those conflicts. Because a relationship means that there will be conflicts. I want you to consider the obligation that God has for you. You know, Paul offered to pay a debt that he did not owe. And what he is doing here, he's demonstrating what we find in Ephesians and Romans and all the doctrine. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I want you to think about this. He demonstrated what God did for us. I remember when I was a kid, we used to sing a song. It said something like this. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I owe a debt that I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sin away. If I get what I deserve, I go to hell. That's what God says in his word. I mean, it's real clear. Our sin separates us from God. But God loved me enough. To send his son Jesus to pay for my sin. I had a debt against a holy God. 
I could not pay it. Jesus came and paid the debt that he didn't even owe. He was obligated. You know why God was obligated to do that for me and for you? You know why God did that for you? Because he's obligated out of his love for you. His sin, uh, he knew no sin. Our sin demanded justice. And so God the Father says, I'm going to take care of this. And he sends God the Son. Jesus comes down and he pays the price. And that day he paid a debt that he did not owe, but he covered your sin. He paid the debt that was uh, that, that you should have had to pay. And now you don't have to go into a Christless eternity. Now you don't go to hell. You get to go to heaven and you get to have life that starts now. You don't have to wait till after you die for this gift. God has given it. He redeems this thing. And so this is so powerful. That is the gift of God. And, and I want to encourage you, what is the obligation that we have in response of our commitment to him? Oh, wait a minute. I thought, I thought this was all about me. I thought God loved me. Well, I mean, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone our own way. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, laid on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. There was an obligation of God by his love to come and pay for your sin. And when he did it, he took care of your sin once for all forever. He gives you eternal life. But what is your response? Are you just going to be a taker? Are you just going to always say it's about you? You see, a relationship has the right to reject. And so you said, yes, I'm going to accept Jesus. And now God says, here's the next step. I want to transform your attitude. I want to transform your actions. I want to transform how you live in 2019. And and I want you to transform the world around you through the power of God that comes in you. But you know what? You won't do that if you're only taking and unfortunately, I see many people that are like that in Christianity. They will come and they will, they will, they will have a great experience at first. And then when, when things get hard, they disappear. And you know what? It's, they miss out so much because it's at that moment when things are hard that God's about to do the greatest work ever in your life. Catch that with me. The greatest work ever will be at the hardest times of your life, will be the greatest moments of conflict, will be at the greatest moments of, 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 of loss. It will be at the greatest, hardest times. That's when God says, I am there. I'm telling you, I never knew the peace that passes all understanding till I stood and looked over my brother's coffin. Till I looked over my father's coffin. Till I looked over my second brother's coffin. I never knew the peace of that passes all understanding. And listen, at those moments, many people run from God. And at those moments, I felt the power of God coming closer upon my life. Why? Because I am committed to him. He gave a commitment to me. And I have responded to him with a commitment. I said, okay, God, I'm going to love you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm in this for the long haul. Relationships stand strong through the years when friends fight for their relationship. Don't ever fight to be right. Listen, Jesus paid the price for you. Don't fight to be right. If you're fighting to be right, you're wrong. There's a tweetable tweet, right? If you're fighting to be right, you're wrong. Listen, most of the stuff, I want you to catch this, most of the things that we fight over are not hills to die on. None of them. There's one hill to die on, and that was Calvary. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And listen, I deserve to go to hell. 
But God says, I've come to love you, and I've given you eternal life. Just trust me, and I've started this relationship with God. That's what he wants to do in your life. Step number three is, uh, as we cross the Rubicon of relationship, is to be open-minded, to, uh, to be objective with each other. You know what an objective means? It means to be unbiased. Look at, look, at, uh, look at how Paul was unbiased. He says, if he has wronged you at all, he's not negating that there was wrong done. There was certainly wrong that happened here. He says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Well, that's, that's a different way, isn't it? That's like deep. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even of your own. I'll repay it. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart. You see, a loyal friend is not based, is not based on biases. He says, I know. I know there was a problem here. And I'm telling you, charge it to my account. That's exactly what Christ did for us. It was charged to his account. Commitment is forgotten in our world. Lasting relationships require receiving and giving. Giving and receiving. The sad part of our world is when there's a break in this. And many people only want to receive, 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 receive. Well, that's not a relationship, folks. That's not a friendship. That's consumerism. That's what you get when you go to Giant Eagle. And the day that they raise the price of milk, you go over to shop and save. That's not a relationship. That's a consumer. Paul wasn't developing consumers. He was developing disciples. And the disciples were all about relationship. So there's giving and there's receiving. There's reciprocation. They understood the law of reciprocation. They understood the committed friends are objective. They see the need to reciprocate. The fourth step this morning is to build each other up. Build each other up. And and really, I'm talking about being optimistic. You know, the Apostle Paul saw conflict from the outside, and he was optimistic. He looked in and he said, look, I see that you can do this. And look what he says here. Philemon 121 confident of your obedience. You know what Paul didn't say? Paul didn't come alongside and say, I know it hurt you, and I know this was painful, and get even. He says, I'm confident of your obedience. That's pretty mature, wasn't it? I'm confident of your obedience. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. I'm confident of your obedience. And, and folks, I want to encourage you this morning to, uh, to refresh the hearts of those around you. Be confident. You know, when you're confident in somebody, when you build confidence in somebody, it changes their heart. It changes many people's lives' direction. And I want to encourage you. There are some simple ways as we wrap up this morning that I want to give you to refresh the hearts of people around you. First of all, I want to encourage you to refresh the heart of a stranger. You know, we have, there's degrees of relationships. And, and like the woman at the well, Jesus went up to the woman at the well and he refreshed her heart. And I'll just give you this little example happened to me recently. I was at, uh, at one of these uh, 
these wedding rehearsal parties, and I was able to spend some time with them. And there's like 30, 40 people. And, of course, the pastor's there, so they asked the pastor to stand up in the middle of the restaurant and have a mass prayer, you know. I always threatened my kids I would do that at McDonald's whenever they were little, you know. I'm going to stand up and say, oh, Lord, thank you for this food, you know. And they're like, Dad, please don't do that, you know. Um, so, so, you know, refresh the heart of a stranger. I had to do that. And, you know, it's like uh, we could all just pray at the table, but they asked me to stand up. And uh, as I'm getting ready to do that, the waitress goes, would you pray for me too? I'm having a really rough day. And I've had a really rough week. And I said, what's your name? And so I was praying over the mill and, and I prayed, and her name was Megan. I said, Lord, please be with Megan. And Megan's had a tough day. And God, would you, would you just encourage her? Bless her as she blesses us today. And I'll tell you what, afterwards, Megan's face was lit up. Megan's life, you know what God did there? He planted a seed, and I don't know what he is doing there. Um, and, and so you can refresh the heart of a stranger. Maybe you'll be out at a restaurant. Maybe you'll, I've heard other people will do something like this. They'll say, hey, we're, we're going to pray over our, our, our lunch today. How can I pray for you and get the waitress's name or the waiter's name? And, 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 and sometimes they'll say, I'm fine. You don't, you don't have to pray for me. I'm too bad. You couldn't pray for me. Or, or they'll say something like, uh, hey, you know what? I've had the worst day and my mom just died or my dad died or whatever. And they'll, and they'll share that with you. And you, you'll just they'll ball their eyes out sometimes. Refresh the heart of a stranger. But be genuine. Be genuine, folks. People, people know when you're not genuine. Just be genuine. That's the key. And so that lady at that, the, the experience that I had there, it was very genuine. I, I wasn't putting on a show. I was just being genuine. So refresh the heart of a stranger. The next one is to refresh the heart of your spouse. Husbands, refresh the heart of your wives. Wives, refresh, refresh the heart of your husbands. I'll tell you what, man. When, whenever we do that, it is it's transformational. You know, my, my wife, she's always wanting to encourage, and she always encourages me. It, it, it's amazing. You know, the other day uh, I, I, was, I, I left the house, and I didn't tell her I was leaving. I didn't know that, was, that I had to, right, you know? And, and so I just walked out the door, and she's like, you didn't tell me that you left. I was like, yeah, I did. Or maybe I did. I don't know. Something like that, right? And I was getting myself in this situation. And, and so she's just saying, look, she says, I want you to encourage me. I want you to know. I want you to care about me. And so as we're talking about this and we're, we're working through this, you know, it's like just saying I love you every day. Do you understand how important that is? Just, just look at your spouse and say I love you. I mean, and, and be genuine. I mean, don't just say it because the pastor said it in the last three days after Sunday. Like, 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 say it. Like, look at your wife and say it, you know. My wife, she leaves me little notes. It's kind of crazy. I'm like, kids are growing. I didn't know that stuff keeps going on, you know. She leaves me little notes. I love you. I'm thinking about you. And it's just, it's just really cool. You know what she does? She refreshes my heart. And I'm the disorganized refresher. I just show up random and I do my thing, right? But listen, that's our relationship. Refresh the heart of a spouse. Refresh the heart of a child. I want to encourage you this morning. Refresh the heart of your child. Your child may be three or your child may be 33. Refresh their heart. Do you know that adult children need your encouragement more than ever? You thought it was hard whenever they were in third grade and they, they failed a test and you had to get them through that. It's even harder whenever they're 33 and they failed some of life's bigger tests. And they just need to know that you're there. You, you know what happens? It's so easy for us as parents. We can only see the negative sometimes. You know, when you're trying to get your kid through school, sometimes all you can see is, is what they didn't do. And in the meantime, they've done 50 other good things. And all, all you can see is that they, they failed English. 
Listen, English was never a, a, a strong point for me. You're saying amen. I know. You, you, you know there's problems in this English, right? But listen, I, I remember some of those days. I go home. Mom's like worried to death. I'm not going to make it. And, you know, you got to study more. You got to do this. I'm like, okay, you have to come alongside and you have to be confident. Build confidence in them. Man, I'll tell you what, I've got adult children now, and I'm starting to see God's, God's giving me more and more. It's letting the door in on me, uh, letting me see that they need my encouragement. They need me to build them up and encourage them, and encourage them in confidence. Like the Apostle Paul said, Are the, uh, am I confident that they will obey? You'll do even more. I've raised children. I, I, don't have, I can't tell them anything more. You know what? As I drop my daughter off for college, I give her that hug. It's her senior year down there. And I think she even videoed it or something. I don't know. Somebody told me they found it on Snap, Insta, whatever. I don't know. It was out there. But I'm telling her, I'm like, Kara, be good. Don't, don't do anything dad wouldn't have done. Don't do anything that dad did do, okay? Like, you got to be good. I, you got, you're living off campus. You, this is your life now. And you know what? She's like, thank God he's gotten in the car. <laughs> but that's what we do. We see this. And we encourage. And you know what I tell her? I'm confident in you. You'll do what God. I, you have Christ in you. I'm very confident in you. And then how about a friend? Like, have we, have we spurred one another on to love and good deeds? You know, God's called us to come alongside and encourage obedience. We don't encourage rage. We don't encourage anger. We encourage obedience. With my kids, I have always encouraged obedience. Well done. Let's go for this thing. Let's get this going. Let me give you a little little insight here. Why this is so important. The Apostle Paul sends this letter over to Philemon. And, uh, and, and so the question is, what happened to Philemon? What happened to Onesimus? What do you think happened I think in turn he let Onesimus know that he still believed in him. And, I, and, and, and here's why. Because there was a, 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 another letter that was found. History preserved another letter written in 115 A.D. from Ignatius of Antioch to the Bishop of Ephesus. And guess what the bishop's name was? Onesimus. This guy that Philemon was going to write off because Philemon got in his face and he stole and he hurt Philemon. Philemon was not wanting to work with the program. God changed Onesimus' life. He came to Jesus Christ. And, and here's what happened. Paul didn't say, hey, let him off the hook. Paul said, charge it to my account. So he's not letting him off the hook. He's saying, look, let's deal with this. And he says, let's not let him off the hook, but take the hook out of your mouth. You see, when the hook is in your mouth, it's causing pain. And it's digging and it's digging and it's digging. We've got to come out. We've got to take that hook out. And Philemon took the hook out. The rest is history. And most scholars believe, many scholars believe that that bishop, that overseer of the church in Ephesus in 115, could very well have been this very same Onesimus that was a runaway slave, that was encouraged to go back 
And God does that. Do you see what God can do? Do you see the bigness of God's work? I can't see that. When I have a conflict, do you know what I have? A conflict. (laughs) I cannot see the bigness of God's work. That's why I have to come before God and I have to say, God, whatever you're doing in this, you be praised. You be praised. And so as you come into this relationship with your wife, with your husband, with your kids, with somebody in church, with somebody in the community, somebody at your office, guess what? God wants to do what is crazy. This is so wild. God does exceedingly, abundantly above what we could ask or think. So as you're dealing with these relationships, I want to encourage you to take that Rubicon of relationship. Be committed. No turning back. But bring them to Christ. Forgiveness. Love. All those things. That is what God does. He transforms. You can't see it. You're in the muck and the mire. But I know this. God says, take the hook out of your mouth. And when you take that hook out, all of a sudden you begin to heal. Sometimes it takes a while to heal, doesn't it? Sometimes. All of a sudden, and pretty soon, you can speak again. And pretty soon, because that hook's not there, been pulling, you can smile again. And that's the power of the God who is obligated to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. Would you respond to him this morning? There's something that God is doing in your life this morning. Would you call upon him? Call upon the name of the Lord this morning. If you've not trusted him, he wants you to be obligated to him now, committed to him. And just call on him in in humility. Say, Jesus just pray something like this to him. Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've offended the holy God of the universe. But you died on the cross. You paid for my sin out of your obligating love for me. And Lord, I turn around and I trust you with my heart right now. You said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I call upon your name right now. And for others of you in this place this morning, I want to ask you, like Philemon and Onesimus, like Paul came alongside those two and said, hey, uh, charge it to my account. I'm sure Philemon was really like, what? Philemon didn't want to take that back. Philemon didn't want to because Philemon was clearly in the right. But you know what he did? He took the hook out of his own mouth. And as we look, we see that there was healing. We see God went and did something powerful in Onesimus' life. Could these things be happening in your life because God wants to use you as the conduit of healing in somebody else's? Refresh those around you. Father God, be with each one of us. There's ways that you've spoken to me, Lord, as I've dealt with this scripture and just delved into this one-page letter. Uh, God, I pray that you will take each one of us in the family of God and, Lord, speak to each one as they talk with their friends, with their relatives, with their relationships in the community, in the family of God, uh, in, in their homes. 
in their offices. God, do what only you can do. And we will give you the honor and the glory because Onesimus was obedient. And somebody came alongside and Philemon became obedient and did what was Christ-like. God, help us to see that only whenever we follow you, you'll do that too. Be praised in this place. stand and sing in response. Come on, sing. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. I'll stand my soul to you, 